0: Thank you worship team and I pray that you've all had your spirits a little lifted and encouraged today and you know sometimes the the realness of the pain and challenges of life you know it's church isn't happy clappy fake at all hopefully ever we need to keep being real and authentic and portraying our God the way the word does so may God bless you anyway Phil why don't you come I introduced Phil earlier. Phil, again, is the uh, Director of Ministry for the Saskatchewan Conference of Mennonite Brethren. And uh, Phil is someone that I have come to, to know and to respect very much as he uh, travels our province and uh, assisting churches and uh, being with pastors. And sometimes some of us pastors are pretty hard to deal with. So thank you, Phil, for uh, blessing us and listening to us and encouraging us. And I know it's Phil's heart to... Um, to see we here at Bridgeway be a healthy church and to be a church that heals and a church that is on mission for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and uh, Phil, we just appreciate your support to us. And I know the leaders and many here have expressed that to me as well. So thank, thank you for being here. Let me just quickly pray for you before you bring the word. So Lord God, I thank you for your servant. I thank you for Phil. I thank you for all the experiences in his life to bring him to this point today. Lord God, I thank you for the word that you have planted in Phil today. And I pray now, Holy Spirit, that you will fill Phil, and that you will speak powerfully through him, Lord, that the word you've implanted will powerfully speak to all of our hearts today. Lord, I pray that we here at Bridgeway will be challenged and encouraged through your word in our lives today. So yeah, we lift up Phil to you and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Don. Thank you for those kind words. Good morning, church. It is uh, a privilege and a blessing to be with you uh, once again. I had a beautiful, uh, uneventful uh, drive uh, here. And uh, I was hoping to see, uh, you know, a few combines, but there was nobody out on the fields, uh, unless they were in the back quarters or something off the highway. And, and, but it's a, it's a wonderful time of year when we see how God has blessed us tangibly with the new crops that are coming up and the, and the beauty and the color of the different crops and that. So, amen? Just beautiful. We are so blessed uh, in this country that um, all you have to do is turn on the news for, you know, 10 minutes and you just realize, wow, you know, we are, we are so blessed in our country. Uh, despite its uh, its many uh, challenges, anyways, it is good to it is good to be here, and thank you, Pastor Don, for letting me share this uh, pulpit space with you. I I truly want to share what God has laid on my heart for you this morning. Um, uh, so uh, I I come with just a, a, a just a wonderful blessing in my own heart to to be able to to share uh, today. Uh, in terms of the conference and all that, uh, I, I I put a kind of a letter in your, or I had Pat put a letter in your mailboxes about the conference work, what we're doing presently. And so I'm not, I'm not gonna spend time going over that uh, this morning, uh, other than to say as we continue to help churches and camps make disciples, uh, we're a support. And our, only, our, our mission is, is, is just that, helping churches and camps make disciples. It looks different. In each church and each camp, it looks differently. But the goal is the same, to get every church and camp uh, focused and energized and excited and able to share Jesus with their community. So that's our role in a nutshell. So if I could just, uh, just take a moment and uh, maybe more for me than you to center my own heart before I share the word in, uh, in prayer. Is that okay? Amen. You can pray for me, by the way, as well. Father, we just thank you for this, for this gorgeous day. What a blessing. Thank you. We worship you. And we, Lord, Holy Spirit, we invite you to be with us. Without you, everything falls flat. And so, Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. And we pray that you would, as we leave here, make us a little bit more like Jesus than when we came. Help me to be faithful to your word. Help me to encourage your church and to bring you the glory. Amen. I'm a, I'm a trivia guy. I love trivia. I love playing trivia pursuit. Have not ever won a game, but I love playing it. And uh, one of the things I learned uh, in... Uh, I can't remember if it was trivia, playing Trivial Pursuit, or on my own kind of reading on trivia. You can actually get books that are trivia books, and and I came across the world Guinness Book of World's largest puzzle, largest puzzle. How many pieces do you think it is? Take a guess. Okay, um, I think I heard ten, a hundred thousand. Okay. No, uh, the, the one I found that was 24,000 pieces. Anything over 25 pieces freaks me out. I, I, it's just like, I get so stressed doing puzzles. Um, anyway, 24,000 pieces. It measures 15 feet by five. 15 feet by five. And uh, it, so it covers 75 square feet. Jeepers, that, you know, it would be a good part of this. This uh, stage here, and so that's the largest. It's manufactured by a company in Spain, and uh, it, it, a guy by the name of McClure put it out. For the, if there's other trivia people here, that's the trivia behind it. So I, you kind, I kind of telegraphed like I'm not a puzzle guy. I, you know, my wife Janine uh, in the winter months commandeers our dining room table, and it's a puzzle table, right? We. We eat on the floor, do puzzles on the table, right, during the winter months. And, um, and I do not interfere with that ever, you know, happy wife. Um, but she loves doing these puzzles, and uh, they just totally stress me out, like, you know, this one little piece has got to go where, and am I timed? Am I being timed? Right? Like, do I have to get it in a certain way? And if it doesn't fit exactly, can I press hard to make? <laughs> like, I'm doing all the wrong things in, in doing this puzzle. I could see why I'm stressed out about it. Well, she loves it. I how many are puzzlers here? I'm just curious. How many people are puzzlers? Okay, a few of you On this side. Okay, a few. Okay. I noticed no one over 70 was putting up their hand. No seniors that like puzzles? Okay, one, two, one 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 two and three, not sure. Okay. You know one of the things I learned about puzzlers, and I learned this from my wife. What and I'm going to I'm going to ask this, see if you guys get it. What's the worst thing that can happen to a puzzler? Missing one piece. I found out what happens when a person misses one piece in our home. It's like, it's ugly. It's, it's just plain ugly. So my wife is, there's one piece missing, and now somehow it's my assignment to find it. I hate puzzles, want nothing to do with them. I'll eat downstairs so I can avoid the puzzle table, but now it's my problem that there's a puzzle piece missing. So, you know, you. Oh, it's got to be around the ta- So we search the table, we search under the couches and we, uh, you know, open the vacuum cleaner bag in case, and it's not my wife's job to open a vacuum cleaner bag. It's my job. And you know what happens when you open a vacuum cleaner bag, right? It's disgusting. Anyway, so I'm in there amongst the cat hair and whatever else, trying to find this. And it's not, it's never in the vacuum cleaner bag. Sometimes I wish I, would, you know, I should have just put a little filter in the front of my, so it could never, ever suck that up. But I haven't got to that point. Anyways, yes, the worst thing for a puzzler is not to ha- is to have one piece missing. It just drives them crazy. My wife actually, when that happens, and it's a new puzzle, uh, she actually writes the company, and she gets a twofer. They sent her two new puzzles: the one she that didn't have it, plus a, you know, we're sorry. I'm thinking there's a business here. (laughs) But my moral conscience is kind of holding me back a little bit. Um, You know, where am I going with this, right? Like, I know I haven't wasted three minutes of your time. The point I'm trying to say is that each piece matters. Every piece matters. They all serve a purpose. Doesn't matter if it's like the the centerpiece in the puzzle or the very corner, background piece, to a puzzler, doesn't matter. It's the fact that it's missing. It should be there, it's missing. It's important. Okay, I'm gonna switch gears. How many of you have traveled to New York? One, two, three, four. How many of you got mugged in New York? Nobody, it's all good. New York is a fascinating place. Uh, Janine and I traveled there a couple of years ago and no matter which way you turn, right, there's, you're face-to-face with skyscrapers and, and throngs of people. There's always noise. There's always vendors on the street selling you everything from hats to jewelry to, uh, to merchandise you should not buy. Um, so, you know, souvenirs and so on. And we were there for six days. And in those six days, I, I encountered more races of people than my entire life in Canada. It's, they say there's over 800 dialects in New York City. It's, it's just an amazing place uh, to visit. Uh, I don't know about living there, but to visit. And one of, the, one of the, you know, we went to the 9-11 Memorial, Freedom Tower, Brooklyn Bridge, all, all those things. Just, just wonderful to see all that. Took in a game, Yankees game. That was super cool. That was so cool. They had terrible hot dogs, but the, the game was great. So, for her birthday, we went uh, for Jenny's birthday, and we took in uh, a theater production while we were there on Broadway. Uh, and it was, it was an adapted version of um, uh, Wizard of Oz, okay? And I won't get into details there. But, and I've been to a lot of theater productions in Canada and different places. Totally blown away by this. Like, it was spellbinding how they do their theaters there. They gave you a 46, for this one, it was a 46-page booklet. That's more than you get at a Yankees game, a program at a Yankees game. It's 46 pages, and it gives you every single detail, and it lists, like there's pages and pages of, you know, all the workers that are involved in the production, and it's pages, like there's 46 pages, and it, you know, it's just amazing. And, and I thought, boy, you know, every one of these people matters. From the stage crew to the lighting guys, to the AV guys, to the, the actors. Uh, they all play a role. And if just, you know, one of them is missing, it's noticeable. They're all important. Everyone has a specific role. And, and everyone has something they're supposed to do. 450 years before the birth of Jesus there was a Jewish cupbearer by the name of Nehemiah and he served under King Artaxerxes of Persia and Nehemiah's story finds its home in the Old Testament book of Nehemiah and his story takes time during, uh, during an era when the Jews of the time lived in exile. And uh, long ago, they had been forcibly removed from Palestine. That's a combination of Judah and Israel. And, and over time, they were starting to return to Jerusalem. And they were striving to, to live life in an incredibly harsh environment. It was brutal. It was violent nations around them. There was pillaging and all you know, all around them, the defensive walls around Jerusalem had been broken down, and that was a huge deal for any city, is to have strong defensive walls. Otherwise, you're just, you're just open for, you know, anyone that wants to take advantage of you. And they eked out a, a living here in constant fear of attack. So Nehemiah, this simple cupbearer, receives a call from God to go to Jerusalem and to rebuild the walls of the city. Now, it was seemingly an impossible task for a, a servant of a foreign king. I mean, you can already see the problems of him taking on that call. If, if successful, Nehemiah would have been the third great leader to come and start the, the many years of restoration of the city of Jerusalem. There was a rubble at first, and, and he came and he, he built the temple. And then you have a fellow by the name of Ezra. He was a scribe, and he came and started drawing the people and reminding them of the word of God and reminding them of worship. So we had the temple, kind of a revival, I guess is a good way of putting it, of the Jewish people. And so Nehemiah was now called to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And I just want you to listen to it, not necessarily look up the text here, so, 13 years after Ezra, Nehemiah stepped out in faith, and he received not only permission from King Artaxerxes, but his master's blessing and help, which was a huge, huge God thing. So, he travels to Jerusalem, he inspects the city, and he declares the following. And this is out of, again, just listen, this is out of Nehemiah chapter 2. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. And the people replied, good. Good. Let us rebuild the temple. I mean, let us rebuild the wall. And so they began the good work. And Nehemiah said, the God of heaven will help us succeed. And that's what I want to talk about this morning is the good work. And more specifically, what is Bridgeway's good work? What is Bridgeway's good work? So I'm going to go back to the text here, and again, invite you to listen. If you really want to look it up, Nehemiah chapter 3, I'm going to read portions of that. And it, it, it gives you a snapshot of this rebuilding of the wall, and who was involved. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to come up front and say, I am going to substitute all the Old Testament names, well, almost all of them, with current names, because, I, you've heard it before, like the mispronunciation of Old Testament names, it gets bad, and that's sometimes all people walk away with. So I'm going to substitute those with modern names. Is that okay? Okay, I'm not offending anyone here? Okay, here we go. Then Eli, the high priest, and the other priests started to rebuild at the sheep gate, and they dedicated it and set it up its doors, building the wall as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and the Tower of Hanael. People from the town of Jericho worked next to them, and beyond them was Zach, son of Ira. The fish gate was built by the sons of Harold. They laid the beams and set up its doors and installed its bolts and bars. Mark, son of Uriah and the grandson of Henry, repaired the next section of the wall. The old city gate was repaired by Jake, son of Paul, and by Matthew, son of Brad, and they laid the beams, set up its floors, and installed its bolts and bars. Next was Uzeel, son of Hudson, a goldsmith by trade, who also worked on the wall. And beyond him was Hunter, a manufacturer of perfumes. Sal, son of Hayden, and his daughters repaired the next section. He was the leader of the other half of the district of Jerusalem. And the fountain gate was repaired by Sam, son of Colin, the leader of the Maspa region, a district. And he repaired it, rebuilt it, and roofed it, set its doors, and installed its bolts and bars. And then he repaired the wall of the pool of Shalom near the king's garden, and he rebuilt the wall as far as the stairs that descend from the city of David. Then came the people of Tekoa, in verse 37, if you're following, who repaired another section across from the great projecting tower and over the wall of Ephel. Mick, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the wall as far as the housing, uh, housing for the temple servants and merchants and across from the inspection gate. And then he continued as far as the upper room at the corner. And the other goldsmiths and merchants repaired the wall from the corner to the sheep gate. And I'm going to stop there at verse 32. So who is doing the, go- the good work here? Well, we look at, it's the, it's the high priests, the other priests his fathers, sons, grandsons, daughters, mothers, goldsmiths, manufacturers of perfumes. Uh, they're all doing the good work. Now if you read all of Nehemiah, there are some that, that don't help, but the vast majority, the vast majority of the people in Jerusalem put their hands to the task. You see, they saw the worth of what they were doing. They saw that God was in this. And they understood that it would be not only a blessing to them and their community, but also to their children and their children's 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 children. When God called a community, in this case the Jews of Jerusalem, to do this good work... Everyone was to play a part. It didn't matter if you were old or if you were young. It didn't matter if you are male or female. It didn't matter what vocation or occupation you held. To do, to do this good work, even the guy who makes perfumes is picking up a chisel or picking up bricks or beams or something. Now, if you fast forward 500 years... In the same city of Jerusalem, we have the birth and the expansion of something called, in Greek, ekklesia, which is the church. It's the body of Christ. It's you and I. And like in Nehemiah's story, the church was tasked to do a good work. And we read about that in Second Peter. At least, one, that's one of the places we read about it. And the role of the church was to be a priesthood. A bridge between people and God. And this priesthood, these Jesus followers, were to offer spiritual sacrifices to God. And and if we define that, that simply means doing those things of self-surrender that bring blessing to God and blessing to others. They were to be a tangible expression of God's presence and purpose in the world. These people, these Jesus people, saw that this calling to be part of Ecclesia was a God thing. They saw that this was not only to be a blessing, would be a blessing for them, but would be a blessing to their children, and their children's children, and their children's children. It was to be a blessing to their community. And it was also to be the fulfillment of the promise and the call to Abraham generations earlier that the people of God would be a blessing to all nations. And they saw themselves, as we should see ourselves, in that vein. The Apostle Paul comes along. And he gives them this counsel. And uh, we read this counsel in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And it reads like this. And again, you can just uh, listen. Verse 12, the human body has many parts. But the many parts make up the whole body. And so it is with the church, with ecclesia, with the body of Christ, with bridgeway. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but we're all baptized into one body by one spirit and we all share the same spirit. Verse 25, this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. And if one part suffers, then all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, then all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, our ecclesia, And each of you are a part of it. So if you fast forward to 2022, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're part of the body of Christ. You you, ca- you can't be a follower of Jesus and reject the church. You can't be a follower of Jesus and say, I don't need the church. You can't be a follower of Jesus and just say, you know, I'm, 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 I'm dishing this whole church thing. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're part of the body of Christ. You're part of the good work. And that good work is to be a holy priesthood, a tangible expression, of the purposes and the presence of God in your community. We're not asked, like Nehemiah, to rebuild a physical wall, but we are, like Nehemiah, called to rebuild hope, to rebuild faith, to rebuild joy, to rebuild meaning. in the lives of those that are already in our community and those that are not in our community as believers. And we're to do this good work together because God knows that we can accomplish more together than when we are apart. You see, when you're reaching out to your neighbor with the gospel, you're not doing it alone. You're doing it with your church. And when you're when you're serving someone in your community, like, you know, you, you should always see yourself as doing it as part of, well, I'm part of Bridgeway. I'm an expression of Bridgeway. I'm an extension of Bridgeway. So Jenny and I, we took, like I said, a New York Yankees game. There's nine players on the field. Those of you that are not well versed in that, um, there's several coaches and there's always the backup players on the sidelines. And the game we watched, you know, there was not one player, not even at that time the great Derek Jeter, that won the game by themselves. It was the team. No one says it's Derek Jeter that won game. It's the New York Yankees that won the game. And we as a church need to start thinking of that so much more. It's not one person that wins another to Christ, draws them to Christ. It's the church through this one person. It's always the church. It's always us together. It's always Bridgeway that does the good work. Everyone playing a part. And you know, brothers and sisters, I'm keenly aware of your history. It's been difficult. A difficult time it's been a hard time it's been a frustrating time it and and no doubt it's been deflating and you know i i've i've i have i believe been asked of a good father just this morning to remind you of the good work that god has called you to never to lose sight of that Even in the most, you know what Scott was saying, the most difficult of times, God continues to be good, God continues to work, and as a church bridgeway, God continually is good to you, and he's helping you, and he's blessing you. Why? So that you can continue the good work he has called you to do here in Swift Current. And that is to glorify God and make him known. Eighty-eight years ago, your four parents in 1934 believed that with all their hearts, and they they started Bridgeway, they started this congregation with a vision, again, to glorify God and make him known. And that has not changed. Just like the call that was given to Abraham hadn't changed when Ecclesia came into life, your being here is an extension of 1934 to continue the good work. Those that laid the foundation expect you to continue the good work. And I know that Pastor Don and Pastor Darren and your leadership here and and others uh, are working hard to move you to a place of fully renewed health. And I'm so thankful for them and and their work. Bridgeway collectively, uh, I'm thinking that they are kind of like your Nehemiah, right? You see it? They're kind of collectively like your Nehemiah, seeking to rebuild that was broken down. Why? For the very purpose so that you can continue the good work that you have been historically called to. Amen? Amen. Amen. God wants... God wants Bridgeway to move from any sense of victimhood to every sense of being victors, from any sense of gloom to every sense of gladness, from operating on a sense of fear or failure to every sense of faith and fruitfulness. That is what God wants for you. But a key part is you gotta plug in, you gotta be a part. You got to support your Nehemiah. You got to show up. You got to show up. And you got to pray for and encourage and support the Nehemiah that God has given you in the leaders and pastors and others that God has brought to you. And so, in closing, just a couple of questions. You know, do I understand that I'm uniquely created and gifted to be a part of Bridgeway, to fulfill the God-given work? Like, do I see myself that way? Am I genuinely fulfilling my call as a priest to be that expression of the presence and purposes of God here in Swift Current? I'm a gospel uh, ambassador And so am I rebuilding hope, faith, and purpose of those that are here and those that are not yet here. What's my role? And how am I tangibly supporting our Nehemiah? And so my last thought is the walls of Jerusalem were rebuilt because of the blessing of God. Absolutely. Amen. Amen but equally the coming together of the people of Jerusalem to do the good work against both those that were against them on the outside and also the internal challenges. And I I just pray this would serve as an inspiration for you to remember your foreparents, those godly people of 1934 who said, you know, we've got a good work to do here in Swift Current. Remember that their call is your call. And their legacy is something that you can build on as you go from here, from this day. And may God bless you in that very thing. Let me pray for you, and then I'll invite the worship team to come up. Father, thank you for this word. I pray, Father, that it would resonate in the hearts of those uh, here this morning. Not for... For your glory, God, not my own. For for your purposes, for the building up of your purposes here. For the good work you've called these brothers and sisters to. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd give them strength, wisdom, courage to do this good work here in Swift Current. Oh, Father, would you bless them and make them an incredible blessing to others. Amen. Thank you, Bridgeway.
0: Thank you, Phil, for coming this morning and sharing those words of encouragement with us. Please join us um, as we just close up our service with a song. Please
2: stand with us if you like.
0: Well, let's just be seated for a moment i will say the benediction and and bless you to be on your way in just a moment but i just uh, felt stirred in my heart to just do do one more small thing this morning and that is just to uh offer up a prayer for our camp west bank bible camp and uh i know that many of you are, are very connected and i know that our church is a, a huge part of us just with phil here today um supporting our camps and our churches. I just just wanted to take a moment to pray. So I just want to do this quick. If you have been at camp this summer um, in any way, as a camper, you're on staff, you've been serving, um, doing volunteer ministry, anything like that, stand up. just want you all to see who's all involved in our camp ministry. It's a pretty amazing thing. So I'm told that this week coming up, is kind of the last week of programmed camp, and it's, I think, the biggest camp of the summer. I'm right on that? Okay? And then uh, the week after is uh, a staff time, and then they'll begin to wind down their ministry out there. So bless you all for how you're serving and many others, and uh, would you all now join me in in praying for our camp and for those that are standing? I know you guys want to stand so bad. That's all right. You can sit down. Let's pray. Well, Lord God, um, I thank you for how... uh, West Bank Bible Camp has impacted so many in this congregation. And I thank you for the many, many faithful workers and volunteers here who have given of time, of hard work, and of finances, and of much prayer and heart for this camp. And I just pray that each one of them will just be filled with encouragement and hope of the work you are doing. Lord, I pray for uh, the staff. Lord, um, I know this time of year they can be exhausted. I pray for strength. And courage and just help them to finish well. Lord, we pray for this last week coming up for all the kids that are coming. And I pray for incredible impact. Lord, for kids to come to know you, for kids to be revived in you, and for those who are hurting to just find a renewed sense of hope and love in their life. And Lord, we just pray for the future of the camp and we pray your kingdom come and your will be done. We pray over the leadership, we pray over the board. And we pray that um, the best decisions will come together for your kingdom's sake and for that ministry to continue in power. So, Lord, yeah, we lift up our camp to you. And, Lord, uh, the camps in our province that are doing great work. And we just pray your blessing and the fruitfulness of your spirit. And pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Bridgeway Church, as you go from this place today, Let's not be the missing puzzle piece. Bless you and go in peace.